0: Amen. So we finished Genesis chapter 6 last Wednesday and I'll be as brief as I can uh so that we can get into this and and hopefully finish chapter 8. So uh we're going to pick up in chapter 7 verse 1. So last week we discussed the contents of chapter 6 where Noah finds out that there's going to be a flood and that he Is told that he needs to build an ark. Don't remember if I said this or not, but uh, building the ark uh, didn't necessarily take 120 uh, years. Um, uh, The accounts and everything that I read, maybe 75, 80 years to actually build the ark. But uh, there were 120 years that the Lord said from this date uh you know i'm going to i'm going to put up basically put up with man for you know that my my like i'm forgetting the exact words um that the lord said you know i won't strive with man forever and that 120 years um from now uh there's going to be destruction as we said as we see there that's a paraphrase but uh, so 120 years uh, went by, and uh, Noah had to uh, build this ark. And we talked about the the massive size of it, and saw some pictures. Some people had pictures of their ark encounter uh, visits. You know, 450 to 500 feet, depending on which measurement you use, 18 inches or 22 inches, and uh, all those things. Either way, when when you're building something that's 450 feet long, um, that's uh, that's an undertaking for sure. Ah, uh, we also discussed that you know these guys uh, weren't these primitive beings that didn't know how to build anything uh i mean to to build something like that to line it with pitch on the inside and outside, as the lord said you know there there was a lot involved there and and uh very, very intelligent people built that. Um, based on, because of what God gave them, you know, they're not, ugh, you know, stone hitting, you know, stone hitting stone or whatever, you know, these are very smart individuals that the Lord had blessed. And, uh, we, we, we discussed that earlier in Genesis, you know, we had people inventing musical instruments and metallurgy and all these things, and they weren't stupid. Um, anyways, I'm going to keep going on down that road. Uh, Moses, uh, sorry, Moses built the ark. <laughs> Noah built the ark, and uh, now we see here in uh, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and a female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and a female, also seven each of the birds of the air male and female to keep the species alive on the face of the earth for after seven more days i will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and i will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that i have made and noah did according to the lord according to all that the lord had commanded him noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth, so Noah and his sons, his wife, and his and his, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of every creeping thing that is on the earth, two by two they came. Uh, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah there's a lot in in these first 9 verses to cover so we're, we did get a little bit of an early start so I'm happy about that now verse 1 then the lord said to noah come into the ark now the hebrew word is bo just bo is how you could how you could uh describe it um i was uh, shane and i had uh, kind of looked at um BlueLetterBible.org. Uh, that I love that Bible study resource. There's a lot there. There's also uh, you can you can click on um, specific words and they'll explain it. They'll they'll break down every word and 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 translate it uh, from the Hebrew uh, specifically in this you know um, uh, Hebrew or the Aramaic or the the Greek or whatever it is and they'll translate it for you. Not only translate it but you can click on it and they'll say. Hebrew word, whatever number, and they'll say it. And uh, so it's really neat to actually listen to it. So the verb bow does not mean uh, necessarily come or go in the sense of a direction, but to enter a void or to fill it in uh, in the sense of a purpose. So the Lord is is saying to him, uh, now your King James Version and New King James Version say, that would use the word come. So, um, uh, where you may uh, look at that and go, you can, it's, it's pretty neat. I'm going to share a quote from Spurgeon here in a minute. I will, I'll share it right now. He said, God didn't say go, but come. You know, so uh, if somebody were to to read those two versions, the King James Version and the New King James Version, you could kind of dive into that a little bit and go, oh, God is in the ark with them calling them to Him. Um, however, if you read the ESV and the NASB, which were two that I looked at also, uh, one says go into the ark and the other says enter the ark. Okay. So sometimes, uh, sometimes you're reading the scriptures and everything, uh, understanding the word and, and the, the root meaning of the word. And those things are, are important to understand, um, because we may build our, a, a whole, uh, part of our theology on something and not understand it correctly. So I just wanted to share that with you, that it does say come here. Other tra- other versions translate it as go into the ark. It's pretty cool to look at it as come into the ark. I, I like that better, that the Lord would say, come- I know you're scared. I know there's a lot going on and you know big destruction's about to happen. Come on in. So do that- with that as you will. I just wanted to present both to you. Um, you know, if God did say, you know, come in and he would say that would imply that God was in the ark and be with Noah and his family, uh, and provide uh, great comfort to them. So after hearing what was happening, I'm sure it was a little bit scary. So I just wanted to present those two to you. Uh, it also in verse one, the Lord says, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So, I. Uh, we understand that as the Lord was explaining these things to Noah in previous chapters, that there was an exceeding and constant wickedness is what was happening. It was uh, every thought of man, uh, was only evil continually. It says, uh, that's a bad state. And, uh, the Lord is explaining that, but it also says that Noah walked with God. So, uh, Hebrews 11, six, uh, we, we, Understanding how important you know a walk with the Lord is, and uh, following uh, the example of Noah. Hebrews 11:6 says, "God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him." First Peter 3:12: "For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil." So one or the other choose to walk with the Lord or to to follow evil, Second uh, Corinthians sixteen nine. Uh, probably familiar with all these verses. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. If if this you have done, uh, sorry, in this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, uh, you shall have wars. So that just it's explaining something. Uh, something else was happening in in, uh, Corinth- in uh, sorry in Chronicles, but for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth uh, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart are loyal to him. So looking at those three verses, understanding how precious a relationship and how, how necessary a relationship with him and following him is. You know, th- th- this world it doesn't, doesn't take much of this world to draw our mind right back into the gutter uh, and uh, into, you know, whatever desire uh, that may call us away. You know, stick with the Lord. You know, Noah walked with the Lord. He was a man that, that his heart was set on the Lord. So when, when he says here, I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation, that generation was exceedingly wicked. I mean, that only evil uh, thoughts continuously were coming. And, uh, you know, we look at the culture we're in here and the downward spiral. Um, you guys know I, I, don't, I don't like to jump too much on, a, on, on politics. Uh, I, I find that uh, doing that uh, most of the time is going to isolate uh, a, a large group of people um, or it's just going to fa- uh, feed a fire. Uh, there are times when we have to jump right into specific, uh, specific abortion. I'll, I'll jump right into the, those discussions. Um, but there is no doubt a time that we do need to jump in. We do need, our voice does need to be heard. And we need to speak up and to understand how I just saw a clip, a very short clip of a man who's trying to just ask a simple question. What is a woman? You know, in that topic, what is a woman? And to know that women are standing next to him with bullhorns, bleep 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 bleep, saying his name. They hate him. All he's doing is asking the question. Well, what is a woman? What they don't understand is there for for those that are on the other side of, of an argument and saying, uh, uh, talking about different women's rights and all those things. To understand, no, they don't understand that a man that is. A, a man, a biological man claiming to be a woman is robbing them of who they are. And, and all he's trying to do is say, like, let's define a woman because if, and then he'll go, I, I haven't heard everything, so I don't want to put words in his mouth because I haven't seen it, but just seeing the, the little clips I've never watched, I don't have a subscription to the uh, daily wire, but, uh, understanding that, that he, uh, he's literally just trying to, so what is a woman? And uh, some of the, the previews I've seen to his show is a transgender. So a man pretending to be a woman, uh, that's also a wolf. And uh, it, it, it is, uh, you know, you may chuckle, but this person is 100% sure that they are a woman wolf and that they can identify. Yes. Oh yeah. That that, that he, I won't even call him a she, Uh, That he, who claims to be a she, uh, is that he can speak to wolves. And he says, you can speak the language. He's like, well, not languages like we can, but I can understand them based on what they're doing. And he said, can you communicate with them? Yes. Would you give us an example? I'm not comfortable doing that. (laughs) So that's the world we're in. and, And it may seem that I'm just making fun of this person. It's, it's more of that person needs Jesus Christ. That person, that th- I mean, there's a lot going on there. A serious medical condition called gender dysphoria uh, is is happening in that man. And I don't even know what you call it when somebody thinks that they're an animal and that they, they can communicate with animals. I'm not, I, I, we need to pray for those people and, and love on them and, and love them enough to say, no, like, it, it, let's talk. You know, there, there has to be that, you know, if we're presented the opportunity, I don't know how many wolf, wolf man women we're going to see downtown or whatever, but it's, you know, it, Matt was trying to, but just to see the fact that he's trying to defend women and that women are so offended that he's trying to defend them that they hate him. We live in a confused world. Noah was living in a, a, a world of corruption and violence and, and evil and wickedness. I mean, wickedness and evil have always existed uh, on earth. We understand that. You know, As soon as the fall happened, uh, this is where we're at, and, and we're going to see it. But just to, to see that so many lines have not only been blurred but just been erased. You know, They've just been removed, and it seems like there's no end to the craziness of, of messages that are getting out there. And it's, it's so important for the church to fall on its face right now in, in, in just begging the Lord, Lord, restore us. Restore the church that we might go and preach your word, that we may, wherever we are, you know, as as opportunities come. Yeah. And all that craziness and the, the wickedness, Noah Noah walked with the Lord. Verses 2 and 3. Uh, the Lord gives instruction for clean and unclean animals. And uh, this was uh, before the difference between uh, clean and unclean were defined in Leviticus 11. So no doubt the Lord had spoken to Noah and taught him uh, which ones were clean and which ones were not. Uh, Leviticus 11 is where we start uh, seeing those written. So uh, the Lord tells him to bring in uh, seven pairs of clean animals and uh, one pair of 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 unclean. So uh, clean animals, uh, an example of of those would be land animals that chew the cud uh, and have a divided hoof, uh, such as a cattle, deer, uh, goats, and sheep. Uh, Seafood would be those with uh, both fins and scales. Uh, Birds would be chickens, doves, um, ducks, Uh, insects. I don't know that all of us are going to get too excited to eat grasshoppers and locusts. But we know our brother, John the Baptist, uh, that was part of his diet for a while. Um, Of the unclean animals, the land animals were ones that would not chew the cud and uh, didn't have a split hoof. Uh, Some uh, would be uh, things like uh, pigs, dogs, cats, horses, donkeys, and rats. So uh, those would be unclean animals. Uh, Seafood uh, that lacked either fins or, or scales. Shellfish. Lobster uh oils uh uh, oysters things like those that's all that doesn't apply to us we can we can eat lobster we're not we're not breaking god's command by eating lobster uh that's all been done away with um but lobster uh some birds like owls hawks vultures if you think of these these things like eating a horse probably not going to want to eat a horse you know that just uh, the, the 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 meat from from those things pigs Thankfully, uh, the Lord um, made those okay for us because I know a lot of us like to have some ribs and bacon and uh, ham, you know, Christmas morning, you know, or afternoon, having some ham, whatever. What's that? Both, right? Absolutely. So that when he's speaking of a clean and unclean animals. Uh, Genesis 6.19, we read here that it it, it says that two of every animal, bird, and creeping thing. I just don't want there to be some... um uh, confusion, we see in chapter seven that it was two at the minimum. So two of the unclean, and then he wanted him to bring in uh, seven pairs of the clean. So I, I just wanted to clear that up. If you're going, wait a minute, I thought he said, you know, one pair and everything is seven cleans, uh, seven pairs of clean, as we see here in chapter seven, and one pair of unclean of each of them. So Genesis 8:20, looking ahead a little bit, Noah built an ark and sacrificed to the Lord after the deliverance, after uh, their deliverance. So every clean, uh, so you'll see there as we read in eight later on that every clean animal and every every clean bird he took of those and did uh, did offer sacrifice to the Lord. So of each of those. So uh, God provided what was needed for the sacrifice, and we can see you know, God's provision for us to please him when you see that. When you see that God provided all these things, and at the end of it, uh, Noah in praise ends up offering sacrifice to the Lord uh, to uh, to please the Lord. So um, also remember going back into Genesis 6.20 that God said that He would bring them to Noah. And we talked about, you know, Noah's not going around trying to wrestle giraffes and, you know, throw them in and everything. Uh, They heard from the Lord and they they walked in, you know, that God did the work. So there's a lot there for you to chew on also. Verse 4, the Lord mentions 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Just today when I was leaving work, right around, I don't know, it was around 2 o'clock or so, when I was at work, um, maybe a little bit earlier, rain started coming down. So I started getting wet at work, and then I you know, tried to stay inside as much as I could. And When I clocked out, I'm leaving at 3 o'clock, torrential downpour. Uh, you know, and I'm like, I'm just getting in my car. I'm not going to stand around and wait because I have no idea if this is going to continue another 10, 15 minutes. And I'm going across the street, and I'm watching water just rush under my feet, just pouring down the hill you know big steep hills it's coming and I'm going huh I guess what we're talking about tonight the flood you know and I'm watching just this torrential uh, you know rain coming down and water's running and it just it just came into my mind that that you know you can think of a flash flood and think of all that water gathering and just coming through and we know uh, from the news how dangerous those things can be taking cars and people uh, with them houses even, you know, those, uh, flash floods are a bad, a bad thing. So just even today when we're thinking of rain, um, the uh, 40 days and uh, 40 nights. So the number 40 is mentioned several times in the scriptures. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible never specifically identifies that the number 40 has special meaning. But uh, we can see that it's often associated with times of judgment Testing and hardship. And some examples, you know, we see it here in uh, Genesis 7. Uh, Moses spent 40 years in the desert after killing the Egyptian. Uh, You can actually read that. Uh, There's a reference to that in Acts chapter 7. Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days in Exodus 24. Moses interceded for Israel before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 2. Israel wandered in the wilderness for forty years. Israel's spies uh, were sent out forty days spying out Canaan. Israel served the Philistines forty years uh, for rebelling against the Lord in judges thirteen uh, Jesus fasted forty days and forty nights and forty days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, so where it doesn't while it doesn't say. Uh, the 40 days is significant. It's, it's constant throughout the scripture. We see several uh, different references with it. Um, there's a, uh, a quote that I found, um, and a commentary that I, I was blessed by. I wanted to share it with you. It says, some people place too much significance on numerology, trying to find a special meaning behind every number in the Bible. Often a number in the Bible is simply a number, including the number 40. God does not call us to search for secret things, hidden messages, or codes in the Bible. There is more than enough truth in the plain words of the Scripture to meet all of our needs and make us complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, and that complete thoroughly good work comes from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 17. So I just wanted to share that. That's uh, not that. It, not that it's it, it's uh, something that you could never do. Uh, but the, just there's a warning with that because sometimes uh, diving too much into something can can lead us down a path of of misunderstanding the scripture uh, and and building a weird theology. So while there are numbers and there uh, there are some fascinating studies and some fascinating things that I've heard uh, from pastors and everything. I like it here where it says there's more than enough truth in the plain words of the scripture to meet all of our needs and make us complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you're a number searcher and you want to do that, do that. But just do it with caution. You know, I can't tell you from the script. Don't ever do that. But I do know that, you know, the uh, concerning prophecy, uh, the prophecies aren't for private interpretation. You know, so so when you start looking into those and building a prophecy on there, it might, it might be dangerous. So just a heads up. Uh, There, it's a neat study. There's, there are things to kind of dive into, but uh, I like that, you know, Hey, you know what, there's enough in the plain words of the scripture to to fulfill us and everything. So um, what we're reading here is the first recorded rain that's about to happen in the history of the world. Remember, we talked about um, uh, the, the waters coming up and, and watering the whole earth, and then the water canopy that that, uh, that it's described as a water canopy that was there. So we we know that there was a mist that would come up out of the earth and water the face of the earth. In verse five, uh, it's it's talking about Noah doing all that the Lord commanded him. You know, it, it's, to to see that, it's a constant thing said about Noah, is that he walked with the Lord and he did what God commanded him. He walked with the Lord and did what God commanded with him. Just take that for what it is. Apply that to our lives. Understand that's how Noah lived his life. God spoke, he listened to, and he did what he was told to do. That we would look at the word. We have the word of God just like Noah did. We have it right here. Isn't it like this big mystery? What would God say right here? Open it up. we got the we got the book right here. I've got mine sitting right here. Um, and, and be able to look at what it. We, we have the same word. Dive into it. Understand it. Learn it. Obey it. Follow it. Share it. And uh, that we would be people that walk uh, according to the word. So we learned that Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. And... Uh, In verse 7, we learn of acts of faith and obedience because Noah and his family enter the ark. And uh, the Lord said in seven days, the rain is going to start. So in in an act of obedience and faith, they go into the ark. Verse 8 tells us that two by two they enter the ark. The animals, the birds, and creeping things. I wanted to share some information that I found from David Guzik. He says, God never has a problem getting the animals to do what he wants. Only man is more stupid than the animals. So that's a David Guzik quote. I I can't steal that. I try to always give credit where credit is due. Spurgeon said the largest and most uh, complete menagerie that has that was ever gathered together was not collected by human skill. Divine power alone could have accomplished such a task as that. But I, I just I love that David Guzik quote. God has uh, God never has a problem getting the animals to do what he wants. Only man is more stupid than the animals. So I agree with him. Isaiah verse uh, chapter one verses two and three. It says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished, and I have brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Just thinking of the hard-hearted, stubborn heart uh, minds that, that, and that stiff-necked. You know, how many times was Israel called out for being stiff-necked? And uncircumcised of heart, right? So they're being called out, saying, You know, these the ox and the donkey, they, they know what they need to know, and you know, my my children that I've nourished and I've brought up have rebelled against me, the Lord said. Seven verse verse ten. And it came and it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth, and the six hundredth year of Noah's life, and the second month the seventeenth day of the month on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heavens were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights on the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark and uh, they entered the ark. They and every beast, after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, all flesh in which is the breath of life. So they entered the ark, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So they spent seven days in the ark waiting after the Lord said uh, what was going to happen, and uh, we know that uh, this happened in the six hundredth year, second month, seventeenth day of Noah's life. These were uh, this is an actual historical event. the The flood is recorded by a multitude of different. Now their their theology gets off with it, but a multitude of of different. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of peoples. I, I why I keep doing this today. I keep going blank. Uh, trying to think of words or whatever it is, but I uh, it starts with a C and I can't. think What's that? Cultures. Thank you. Cultures. Cannot even think of the word. Sorry, guys. You guys, you know I'm good for one or two of those every time I'm up here. So, uh, but different cultures. And uh, many different religions, they won't uh, attribute everything to the God of the Bible or necessarily Noah, but they speak of a massive flood that happened. And uh, so there there are all kinds of different variations in everything. But what we see here is the historical uh, values being attributed here, where it's the 600th year of his life, the second month, 17th day. It's a specific day that it started. It wasn't just magically made up. This was actually recorded in history. Now, in verse 11, it says that the fountains of the deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. That is frightening to me. That is absolutely frightening to me. That water was springing up, and for the first time ever in in human history and in the history of the world, water is coming down in torrents, and it's just pouring down. And uh, there's no way to escape. Water's rising and falling so water is 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 just devastating uh everything and you know we've seen uh, the results of of water pouring down uh, you know just just rain coming. we just remember Hurricane Katrina you know levees levees failed, and uh, just think of what we talked about earlier flash floods just wipe everything out. this is water the the fountains of the deep broke up, and water's pouring down, so it's coming up and it's coming down and it's just all it's all rising very fast. This thinking of, of Hurricane Katrina, um, I, I, uh, that's where Jenna and I met in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, down at Keesler Air Force Base. And while we were down there, uh, we were, you know, we'd be in class and everything. And uh, for our first date, uh, we went out to Waffle House uh, in, uh, right uh, on the water. And if, you know, if you've never heard of a Waffle House, I have a friend in Massachusetts that that's his favorite restaurant in the world. Waffle House is kind of like a glorified, I don't know, uh, half McDonald's. I don't know how how to say this nicely, you know, but it's not really known as, hey, you're going to go in and you're really going to eat this, you know, they're they're all over the place. There's like a Waffle House on every corner and everything. That's how it's been described to me. I like Waffle House. I'll go in there and eat food, but everybody's like, ah, Waffle House, you got to be careful, you know, all those things. I like it. And, uh, you know, it has a special place in my heart. Uh, for, uh, for my wife and I, and there was a special waffle house. There was a, um, um, mall that we went uh, into and there was a, we all called it the ghetto theater because it was, it looks like a ghetto theater, you know, it was a movie theater, but it was kind of inside a mall. It was like two bucks to get in. And, you know, they had like broken down couches and chairs to sit in and we'd walk like that whole area, um, that, you know, there was a shopping mall there, everything gone. You know, so when we met back in 1999, all that was there, you know, Waffle House that, like I said, that, that special place, I remember seeing a picture of a Waffle House, just all that was there was the sign. And I showed it to her, I sent it to her and she's like, Oh, you know, and uh, the next time I went down there several years after Katrina, there's another Waffle House. So I took a picture of it and sent it to her. And, you know, it was just kind of cool. And I think I might've even FaceTimed her and just kind of, as we're driving by showed her. Uh, So The devastation that happened when those levees failed, all that water that came in and wiped them. There were casinos. They had like these floating boat casinos down there. Gone. Uh, Buildings, gone. It's all gone. Just water, the destruction that happens from water. So just understanding what was happening here was cataclysmic. The world had never seen it before. Water, you know, the the fountains of the deep are breaking up. Water's coming down for 40 days. I mean, today, uh, just me running from my building to my car, I called Jen and I'm like, I'm absolutely soaked. Totally drenched, huge downpour. But this is 40 days, nowhere to go. Water's coming up and water's coming down. 40 days and 40 nights, relentless. In verse 16, uh, we see that the entered in. so and uh, in, in verses uh, thirteen through uh, fifteen are talking about all the beasts and we already covered all that. Verse sixteen, they that they did as God commanded them. Then the Lord shut them in. The Lord shut the door. And God sealed up the door and delivered Noah and his family uh, from his judgment, the uh, the shutting of doors. Uh, when God sealed up the door, it meant salvation for Noah and his family and judgment for the wicked. And, uh, you know, God did shut the door. Noah didn't shut it. You know, it's it's, his, uh, it's God's job to determine salvation, not ours. So uh, a few verses for you. Revelation 3, 7. And the angel of the church in Philadelphia and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and he who shuts, and shuts and no one opens. So speaking of Jesus Christ, he can shut and nobody can open. He can open and nobody can shut. Speaking of the ability to open the door, Jesus claimed to be the door, John 10, verses 7 and 9. Jesus said, uh to them again most assuredly i say to you i am the door of the sheep and then he goes on in verse nine to say i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the the fact that the lord uh shut them in to protect them the lord called them to uh, the ark and uh, they obediently went and once they got in there The Lord provided the the, the plan for salvation that they they were supposed to just be obedient and follow the Lord and do what he says to them. And then when everything was coming, God just says, come in and I'll shut the door. And he shut the door and Noah and his family were spared. I have another quote from Spurgeon says, "Yea, when the 120 years were over and God's spirit would no longer strive with men, there stood the great ark and its vast door wide open. And still Noah continued to preach and to declare that all who would pass within that open por- portal into the ark of safety should be preserved from the coming destruction. Outside the door death would reign universally, but all would be peace within. And it's just uh, Spurgeon had principle preachers you know that i think that's what they call them the prince of preachers um now i'm lo- losing even that there's a reason i don't go freestyle much it's because my bri- brain goes too blank that's why i have notes genesis seven seventeen. now the flood was on the earth 40 days the waters increased and lifted up the ark and rose it rose high above the earth the waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth and the ark moved about on the, fa- the surface of the water and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in, whom, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. All that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things that were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him on the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So in verses 17 through 20, we understand that the earth was filled with water and now the ark is floating. So there's the description there. So forty days had passed, and as the rains falling on the and the the fountains of the deep were were flowing, the water level rose fast <clears throat> fast, and the waters uh, prevailed uh, greatly on the earth. And now the earth, uh, excuse me, the the ark is is floating and uh, moving on the waters. Uh, the the hills, the high hills, are now covered. And when it says fifteen cubits, that's around twenty two feet if you're using eighteen inches as your measurement of a cubit. Um, the, uh, you know, from here to here, yeah, I'll hold your hand, uh, but, uh, 15 cubits above the mountains. So it's a water world. You guys remember that movie, the Kevin Costner movie, a really weird movie. I only watched it once as a kid and I was like, wow, this is weird. Um, but a water world, you know, what would it be like? And, uh, you know, the, uh, the 15 cubits above uh, the mountains, it would be half of the height of, of the arc. Uh, so the arc was 30 cubits high, about 45 feet high. So uh, th- you're talking about significant uh, w- water, so devastating that it's covering even the highest peak uh, by at least 22 feet. 22 feet of water is a lot. Have you ever have you ever dive uh, dove into a pool and gone uh, into a 10 foot pool? And you start even feeling that pressure in your ears. You double that. You know that's the 20 20 feet deep. And, uh, so even the highest peak was, was even covered. So what we see here as a result of that is as a tragic result of sin, there's widespread death and destruction that's happened. That's what we, we just read of is that everything is dead in every man. The, the, the tragic result of widespread thin, uh, widespread sin, uh, that their thoughts were, uh, evil continuous, uh, continuously and, um, Lawlessness and the rejection of God's word was was happening, and uh, they just uh, the murderous and uh, all these people that once had the breath of life, uh, but rejected God's word are now dead. They're all gone, and and uh, it's you know the that where it says in there that uh, that had the breath of life, you know all in whose nostrils was the breath of uh, of the spirit of life, and you know. Um, any time I've read an article about somebody hey, you know being murdered or um, you know some tragic death of of somebody that uh, was young or or whatever it is, and you think there's no more breath in that person's lungs there's no more life in that person's body it's sad that it, it, it's, it, it's sad to know that that person's that their existence here on earth. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll never be at another, uh, birthday party. They'll never be, uh, there for Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, all, all those things, um, their time on earth is through, they're gone. You know, for some of us, that's like, amen. You know, uh, I can tell you as, as a husband and as a father, uh, unless we're being raptured, I want to remain here to be there for my family. You know, the Lord calls me home. He calls me home, but I, I don't. I don't have this burning desire to leave them, <laughs> leave my, my children fatherless. I, if the Lord calls, I'd rather us all just be raptured together, and then they never have to deal with that. But to know that a life is is over, you know, that the precious gift that we've been given, the breath of life, and as they are rejecting the one that gave them the breath, we see the end result of their life and their end result of rejecting the Lord is they lose that life. They lose them so all those who had that gift of life of, of the, the, the breath given into their lungs and uh, it's all gone. And uh, So that death and destruction you know, for these individuals and what we see is that that sin affected not only individuals but everything and everyone around them. Every, the, the sin affected everybody and, and everything it doesn't just affect one person so when one person is 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 living in sin and uh, sin gets out of control in their lives it ruins marriages it ruins families businesses all those things because it, it starts it's it spreads throughout and it just it does so much destruction everywhere you know, it often influences and affects uh, many people, so many people, and, and it destroys lives, sometimes destroys property. Think about it. Somebody gets drunk and they go on, hey, you know what, we're just going to go, we're going to burn some stuff, you know, we're going to, we're going to do whatever, you know, oh, let's go break something, you know, go steal some, steal some road signs or whatever, you know, it's just, just stupid things that end up happening. You know, sin doesn't just affect the person that's, that's taking uh, part in it and wants to do it. So we see here that there's a great digression uh, as a result of sin. And we've talked about uh, sin uh, as it's listed in, in James, you know, that uh, one would be enticed by desire and led to sin. And that sin leads to death. We see that's that happened uh, in mankind, that that macro view of it uh, ended up taking out everybody. With the exception of Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, everybody else gets gets wiped out, and the small remnant of uh, all the animals and the creeping things. And uh, we read of uh, what was was happening. Then was a debased mind. I know uh, one uh, one week that I was out, I was sick, and uh, Oliver Oliver. Uh, stood in and uh, and taught is taught in our teaching on Romans 1 I don't know if he got to that point where where he's talking about the debased mind that God would give uh, People over to a debased mind and we'll talk about that here in just a minute uh, But what we see uh, in in what's happening in the widespread evil and wickedness uh, That's listed in Genesis 6 uh, It's it's just total sin that your, your mind would be totally polluted Totally gone. Uh, you know, you, at the water cooler, who's al- who always has the dirty joke, or who always has you know this or that to say. That debased mind, the debased mind that can only think of. Do I hear anything come out of their mouth other than swears and bad stuff and those things? You can you can see that in someone's life. So where where the words and actions are only sinful. As Christians, we should separate ourselves from a uh, perverted and sinful person. Not that we should never talk with them, but they shouldn't be the person that we're, hey, let's get out of work and let's go fishing. You know, maybe, yes, we need to pour our uh, pour ourselves into certain people, but those that are, that are just rejecting everything we've got to say. All that we're doing, just sitting there mocking and, oh, this guy here, and, you know, those things. Okay, then that's not the person we hang out with. Because what we're often going to see is that our guard comes down. These things start ruining our minds as the dirty joke or whatever. And, you know, they're talking about this or that or the stupidity that can happen there. You know we should surround ourselves with people uh, with the, uh, with like-minded and you know and yes we're called to minister to them but should they be the one that we're uh, hanging out with? What does the scripture say to us? That um, I have it written here actually. First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty-three. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits, good morals. Right? Evil company. Keep our guard up spiritually second corinthians six verse fourteen do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness second corinthians six uh, further further down verses seventeen and eighteen says therefore come out. From among them, and be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord, God Almighty, says the Lord Almighty again, first uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty three do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits, opposite of this, Philippians four verses eight and nine, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there is any virtue if there is anything praiseworthy meditate on these things the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me these do and the god of peace will be with you the the following of uh, of the debased my in mind uh, is going to always lead to bad things in our lives not that we should be unapproachable, not that we should you know raise our nose up oh, better than you or anything. Probably shouldn't be the person that we're calling to hang out with all the time. Invest, love them, uh, but when we see that there's a point where they're not getting what we're, what we're sharing, pray, with, pray about pray, pray with them. Yeah. yeah, pray for them, pray for them, but it shouldn't be that, we are, we, that that's the person that we're I really want to hang out with, but they're fun. But they're fun. That's the person I want to hang with. I feel good. I laugh when I'm around them. All those things can be dangerous. Seek the Lord. You know, the seeking of God's presence is always the difference. You know, Christians are called to to love God with all that we are. You know, this includes you know our mind and our conduct. That we consider ourselves slaves of Christ, no longer slaves to sin, as the Scripture tells us. You know, called to be righteous and to meet be mature in our faith. We see that outcome. We see the, the tragic result of sin and, and what it was doing uh, in those days. And, and that uh, those were people of debased mind, and, and we see it in, in, in today's world also. You know, the Christians, shouldn't, that shouldn't be said that, that we are, are running with that crowd. Uh, should we, like I said, should we minister minister to them, love on them, uh, You know, share the word with them? Absolutely. Um, but, but the everyday hanging out and everything. Uh, it's, it's kind of like missionary dating, you know, that, Hey, you know, if I, if I date them and, you know, maybe they'll come to church with me and maybe they'll get saved. And, uh, usually I don't know the percentages, but I'd be willing to bet probably in the high nineties, uh, uh, that, there's, there's, you know, tailspin that happens before it. Uh, that's, uh, just, just a, a, a scary way to go about it. no one his family are alive and 150 days after the water uh after the flood you know the flood had came the uh, you know uh, the 40 days of rain you know the water remained where it was at and you know what their experience the world that was experiencing absolute chaos and destruction And Noah and his family are experiencing the opposite of that. They're not experiencing God's wrath. They're experiencing his grace. And uh, he's saving Noah, and he has saved Noah and his family. And God's deliverance for his children uh, can be seen throughout the Scripture that we don't experience his wrath that he pours out on the wicked. And we talked about some examples of those things. We talked about Lot. Um, and the, 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 the conversation that ended up happening where uh, when, when um, excuse me, Abraham's having this conversation with, with the Lord and he knows, okay, I know Sodom and Gomorrah, there aren't a whole lot of people that are seeking the Lord. And he goes, forgive me the exact numbers, but I think it's like 40, 35, 30. How about if 20 are righteous? How about 10? You know, it gets all the way down to that, that awful number that it can get down to 10. And the Lord said, if there are 10, I will spare these cities. And there weren't even 10. You know, the Lord has a great desire to, to, to spare. But we see that as, as Noah lived his life following the Lord, he was delivered. And we understand that Noah is described in Second in Peter 2, 5 as a preacher of righteousness. And they rejected him and they rejected God. You know, he lived his life preaching righteousness. We don't have a whole lot more to, to gather from that, but we can know that Noah lived a life preaching righteousness as Peter wrote in Second Peter two. So 150 days, and they're on their way. If you add up all these days when we get to the end of it, and I'm going to try to speed up a little bit here, um, uh, it ends up being, uh, depending on uh, you know which Bible scholar you might look at, 370 to 371 days or 377 to 378 days. It's a long time to be on a boat with your family and a bunch of animals. you know. So there's a lot going there, and I'm sure that Mrs. Noah was ready to get off the boat. <laughs> I just want to get off this boat. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to get into extra biblical you know look ins but you've got to believe that these guys were ready to go uh, you know so uh, some believe that the animals might have actually been put in a state of hibernation we don't know um, uh, they were told to bring on food and everything for them uh, we don't know uh, all of those things but uh, I I would say that you know I'm sure that they did sleep but we don't know uh, some speculate those things Genesis 8 Verse one says, then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him on the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and all all the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven uh, was restrained and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water decreased. Then the ark rested on the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. And uh, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So uh, verse 1, it says that God remembered Noah. God didn't forget Noah, but this means that God now turns his active attention back to Noah. So it wasn't like that God, oh, hey, you know what? I forgot, you know, where, where are they? Where's Noah floating around and everything? That's not the case at all. It just says that his active attention was, was placed again on Noah. So uh, we learn that the water subsided and the mountaintops are now able to be spotted. And, you know, uh, God made the wind pass over and, and uh, to subside the water and, and uh, fountains of the deep and the rain had stopped and several months had passed. And uh, they were there a long time, and I'm sure they were they were glad to see the mountaintops. You ever been traveling, you know, flying? Uh, I had Jen uh, and I were flying um, from we we left Italy, we were coming back here, and we flew on on one of our um, contracted military flights, and uh, so we call it call it a hop. You take a hop flight, you know. You remember Edna from from Aviano, and uh, you're yeah, so. Um, uh, so you, you hop, I mean, you know, I'm going to take a hop. And so we, it was like a $25 flight, you know, and that paid paid for your meal. And, uh, we're sitting down, we're surrounded by all military people and, and, uh, uh, Jen sees somebody that she works with, and he's always sitting behind us. And this lady with her kid sitting behind us. And um, I think it was like it was a long flight. And I don't remember where we went to and from. I don't know. It was from I was from Aviano to, uh, to Baltimore. And I don't know, five, six hour flight, whatever it is. And we get up there, and I start feeling on my chin. They're playing slapjack on the back of my chair. <laughs> this guy and this little kid, he's just trying to help and entertain. And it felt like four hours and I had all I could do to not turn around and be like, dude, (laughs) you know, but I was so excited. You know how sometimes on the flights you can see where your plane is and everything. I was so excited to see that we're like starting to get closer, you know, or when you're flying somewhere Um, or you're driving somewhere and you start seeing these landmarks and you're like, ah, Uh, when you're coming up, uh, you know, I, I know we all get excited when we cross from New Hampshire into Maine, but then we realize I still have three hours, three and a half hours to go or whatever, right? It, it can be depressing also. But there's there are little landmarks, there are those things. For these guys, they're on a boat and they're stuck there and they start seeing mountaintops. And uh, no doubt exciting. Now it's important to understand that verse four says the mountains of mountains of Ararat. Mountains of Ararat, a mountain region of Ararat. Because Uh, you know, there, I'm going to share some facts here from, uh, from answers in Genesis from some, uh, some research I did here. And, and, uh, so it wasn't necessarily the Mount Ararat, which would be great Ararat. And then there's, uh, I think it's lesser Ararat. Uh, yeah, they call it lesser Ararat. Uh, so not necessarily Mount Ararat itself, but the mountain region of Ararat. So it's Eastern, uh, modern day, uh, Turkey and uh they landed there on day 150 and uh it's now an arctic range and i i had hoped to and one thing i'll tell you guys that i'm pretty excited about doing i i hope to do it so don't hold me to it cuz i don't know when it's going to happen um maybe if i get a few days off and i can you know start working on some things but i i i like visuals and i like to use visuals um i i've taught i taught first aid and cpr um i i've i just in my old job, I, I like to have visuals. Not I'm not, not going to PowerPoint you to death, but I'd like to put up, you know, some pictures. I saw some really great pictures of modern-day Mount Ararat that would be awesome to have up there right now because it's an Arctic, it's it's all Arctic, it's covered in snow. You know, and to, just to look at that and go, wow, over time it's gone from, you know, what it was to Arctic and uh, to understand maybe why they can't locate uh, the, the exact place of... Uh, Where the ark is So I'm going to get a little technical with you and this is copy and pasted from answers in Genesis It says Mount Ararat is technically known as a stratovolcano That's a cone-shaped volcano Which builds progressively from a central vent that erupts many times and deposits successive layers of lava and volcanic acid uh, Sorry ash on the flanks of the growing edifice so the, the the mountain itself is the the volcanoes are dormant now uh and there have been many attempts to find the ark over several centuries uh, so uh, many have claimed to have found it. some have claimed hey yeah we we did find it russia surprise uh claimed to find it uh, found it and uh one of the uh the higher ups in um Uh, The Russian government had uh, taken some of the, claims to have taken some of the wood and uh, made a cross for his daughter. Uh, from the, the arc of the which sounds cool, you know that's a that's a neat idea. I couldn't say that if I wasn't there, I'd be like, hey, I'm gonna take this back and we're gonna do make something cool. I don't know, make a table and you know make a boat and uh, put this in there. You know it'll never sink, right? So, um, uh, you know the Air Force did uh, aerial photo in 1949 and showed a large uh, large object on the northwest side of of the Greater Ararat. Uh, they made that that photo public in 1995 and it generated a lot of interest from them doing that. There's a a spot on the mountain called the Ahura Gorge. It's uh, one mile below the peak of Ararat and it gained popularity uh, when George Hag- Hagopian, uh, an Arminian, claimed his uncle took him on the top of the ark as a young boy around 1908. Throughout his lifetime, he proclaimed... Uh, what he discovered as truth, but he was unable to pinpoint the exact location of the discovery. Now, understanding uh, Mount Ararat is extremely high, which would uh, explain uh, why it's Arctic 16,854 feet above se- sea level. That's really high, uh, so over over three feet, uh, three miles high. A lesser Ararat, seven, uh, 12,782 feet. So glaciers and avalanches have eroded canyons in the flanks of the volcano. So we're talking about that volcano, a volcano, exposing its internal layers and enabling geologists to do detailed uh, work to establish when and how Mount Ararat formed. So uh, there's nothing concrete exactly where Noah's Ark uh, landed and where it is. Uh, many believe that it's in somewhere locked in a glacier uh, and, and won't be found. We don't know, but it was there and in the mountain region of Ararat. So just when it comes to one specific mountain, it says the mountains of Ararat. Important for us as we're in the scripture to understand and to look further into, um, you know, the three. I know this example has been shown to us several times and I've used it. The three wise men. Now, wise men came from the east and brought three gifts. It wasn't necessarily just three people. So just important to understand. Verse 6 of Genesis 8. So it came to pass the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot and she returned to the ark to him for the waters were on the face of the whole earth, so he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. I love that part it's really neat and he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a flesh freshly plucked olive leaf uh, was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Uh, so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return to him anymore. So he, what we see in verse 6 is that he waited another 40 days and opened the window Uh, And Noah begins to try to determine uh, if they were close to the end of their time on the ark. So he sent out a raven, and the raven kept going back and forth to and fro. No other commentary given, but it might not have returned. It might have just, you know, landed on top of the ark somewhere or whatever, but uh, we don't understand, uh, we don't see any more of it. But when he sent out the dove, there was no resting place for her foot, so she returned to the ark in Noah's hand, uh, and he took her back into the ark. So that's pretty cool, just seeing, you know, the first recorded You know, I I have my pet, you know, and uh, my old uh, boss that I used to work with, I work for, he had a pet parrot. And this thing walks around the house, goes outside with him, goes into businesses with him. You know, he had his own pet. So who knows? You know, maybe that was his favorite, favorite dove. You know, Uh, we don't know. So Noah waited another week and uh, the same dove brought back an olive leaf and the uh, you know, waters had receded, and Noah waited another week, and then the dove didn't return. Verse 13, And it came to pass in the 600th year, and the first month, uh, 600 and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and indeed, the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 20 seventh day of the month, the earth was dried. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. So over a year later, later the flood's gone. The ground is dry, uh, and it's all over. You know, it's time to come out and uh, you know talk about having to get reacclimated. Think about how long they're on this boat, and uh, just to step on the ground and be like, ah, <laughs> you know, they they had been. They had been sitting there, and the ark, the ark had been sit there. Uh, but just to step and start walking on on even uneven terrain, and you know all those things, and to kind of get everything uh, working again. And you know there were different decks uh, on the ark, so no doubt they were doing steps and everything. But just to. Be out, walk around, getting that fresh air, and 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 being out and seeing things, and you know. Uh, so what we see in uh, verses 18 and 19 is that Noah did as he was told, and he trusted and obey the Lord, and uh, you know. And then we see here uh, that uh, in verses uh, 20 through 22 that a great celebration and a time of worship happens from Noah. Verse 20 says, "Then Noah built an ark." About, sorry, built. <laughs> he already built the ark, right? Uh, Noah built an altar to the Lord. And took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a, smooth, a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing uh, as I have done. While uh, the earth remains... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, uh, a day and night shall not cease. So Noah, what we read here, the the next recorded thing after they stepped out was that Noah worshipped the Lord. And he he offered sacrifice, built an altar and offered sacrifices uh, to the Lord. So those clean animals that were kept. He took some of them and they they were sacrificed when uh, all was said and done. And he's worshiping and praising the Lord for the deliverance and the salvation of his family. So he's able to to, uh, offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And God is pleased with the offering. And then we see here that the Lord said in his heart a glimpse into uh, the emotions of the Lord. Now, if you hadn't read, if somebody's just reading this for the first time and they get to chapter 8, you start understanding more of the heart of the Lord. There are glimpses, and we hear Him say, you know, uh, it, that He regretted uh, some things. You know, that, that you know, uh, talking about the, the depravity and, and the deprived state that everybody was in, and how bad things were. And the Lord just, just, uh, just, uh, we see His heart, and you know, God does have emotions. He does have anger. There are things that pleases Him. We understand from Ezekiel 33 verse 11 that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, you know. So, you know, when we see his emotions, you know, the Lord said in his heart that he wouldn't do these. He had to do what he had to do. But the whole thing grieved his, his the Lord's loving heart. You know, we understand that God God loves us. It says I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil, uh, from his youth I, the, I made the although uh, the, the emphasis isn't there uh, although and is um, Nor will I again Destroy everything living as I have done so even though man is wicked the seasons will continue uh, The Lord knows what's in man And he said he's, he's never going to do it again like that We know uh, from looking in the scripture there is going to be a rapture there will be judgment Everything's going to be Toasted you know, the, the, there's going to be a, a melting fervent heat that takes care of everything. But he's never going to do what he did there. So, you know, oh, is this another, you know, world-ending flood? No, because God promised he wouldn't do that. But it grieved the heart. You know, it wasn't like, you know, God was all, ah, yeah. you know, all excited for the wicked to die. You know, the Lord says in his heart that He's not he, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So it grieved him. We see the Lord's emotions. So we got through 7 and 8, and it's, I think, exactly 7.30. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We ask you, Lord, to continue to build us uh, through them, that, Lord, as a church, that we would we would grow, that we would be uh, mature and pleasing to you, and that you would show us the works that we should do that, that would bring glory and honor to you and uh, that would show this community uh, that we love them and that you love them. Lord, help us to be men and women that walk after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.